All right. Well, hello. Welcome to Sound Engagement. It's a podcast devoted to engaging with our culture and community from a Christian worldview. I'm Brad Mills. This I'm is Peter my Anderson. co-host, Peter Anderson. <laughs> What's up? What up, everyone? <laughs> oh, man. Well, it has been a cha- chaotic week. Um, no. like we needed another chaotic no, week in 2020. Last time we talked, RBG died, the debate, um, f- and what else? What else has happened? And um, Still fires raging. And fires. Yeah. Ben Shapiro um, moved. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's moving out of the state. Um, you guys are staying. It's a yeah. mess. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually kind of locking in by buying this property and, and getting ourselves yeah. established. You're committed. But it, I mean, I, I have to say um, mm. more and more conservatives are thinking of, of leaving the state. So it, the church is, um, is going to have, have to revamp our focus and think through things. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's, no, I'm not not really being serious about revamping our focus. Our focus is always, <laughs> you know, the the gospel and and loving our neighbors. But it is it is something where we'll probably see a a, a shift in kind of the um, type of people that that are coming to our church. The membership, I think, is going to transition from people who've. You know, been with us for many years and are leaving. In fact, we had a few people leave right at the beginning of lockdown. They just thought, well, this is going to be lockdown. We're getting ready to retire. So we'll just leave now. And that, this tends to not be a, a, a desirable place to retire, to settle down, you know, for your last years. Um, and that's unfortunate, but I don't blame people for wanting to, to go elsewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, astronomical taxes, terribly governed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, looks like it'll never probably have, at least in our lifetime, a any kind of balance in the House or Senate or even governorship. Would you say? Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, honestly, the the idea of dividing up the state into multiple location, you know. Uh, trying to maybe, I don't even know how you would do it. There's several different proposals, but that's the only way I see this state ever turning around at this point. It's, um, it's a lost cause for conservatives. Yeah. So why do you think, yeah, that's, that's, um, why do you think conservatives are, le- you think they'll leave more? I mean, do you think liberals leave as well? I mean, is that kind of a conservative, well, conservative leave or do you think both? Most, yeah. if, if liberals leave, they're only leaving because of the you know, business taxes and requirements that uh, like politically they might still lean liberal. Um, but for the most part, I think it's conservatives leaving. Um, but conservative in California may not mean conservative in other States, you know, I right. Mean, right. Conservative well, for like Arnold, it, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, that's, that's true for Massachusetts too. It's, okay. yeah. yeah. I mean, a conservative in Massachusetts would be like kicked out of our, uh, First Pres Church pretty quickly. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah, put, I'm sure. Quickly put on leave or something. Well, it's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously frustrated, but but living in the Central Valley, we are a little little bit of an enclave of, of conservatism. Um, and so our mayors and, and our governor, I mean, not our governor, our mayors and our local council members are usually – pretty strong, just like our sheriff, 
Fresno County Sheriff's amazing. Oh, yeah. um, I would, cool. you know, honestly, if she ran for governor, uh, she cool. she's, got, she's got the popularity that she'd have a shot. But I, I think, uh, I as soon as as soon as Sacramento knows who she is, they'd be done. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Sacramento, L.A. just doesn't. They don't. They're just as uh, they're excited about Gavin Newsom. You know, they like mm. his policies. Mm. I, which yeah. is shocking to me because eventually you would think the the homeless encampments would would eventually bother everyone, regardless of your political persuasions. You know, mm. uh, well, got to do something yeah. about that, right? Yeah, no, I think that's. I was actually thinking about that. I was thinking as a clinician, what I would do with some of the homelessness. I, I should run. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking a lot about that. I mean, I, I think there are a number. What is it? Forty, probably to sixty percent, matters where you are in the country, um, of homeless, of the homeless population have severe mental health issues. Oh man! And uh, one of the saddest things is uh, the fact that we have such less uh, hospitals. So many, you know, state hospitals that actually can take care of homeless people, um, and also take care of the mentally ill. And uh, we don't have that as much. And that had a lot to do with not late 1960s. And uh, you know, what basically the, you have the police taking care of a lot of people who are severely mentally ill, and you have a lot of homeless people that are dying on the streets. You know, mainly because they can't either they're being attacked. I mean, physically it's not safe. Uh, they're not, a lot of them are not taking their medications. A lot of homeless people that come into our emergency rooms have pretty severe mental illness, schizophrenia, um, paranoid schizophrenia. A lot of people have homicidal ideation, suicidal, severe suicidal ideation. Just they're not, they're not really meant to be on a street. They're not meant to be, hmm. they, they right. need to be in a, in a place. And that's, what's really, but you know, the other half, um, you tell them that you, you, you basically give them an option. You either go to a mental institution and get help or you, um, you work. And when you work, you have to, cause work's good for you. It's good for your mental health and, uh, we'll pay for your, we'll pay for your, um, your housing, yeah. but you have to work six, at least four, four to six hours a day. That's all you have to do. Um, wow. and you have to, you have to clean up, uh, around here and you have to get a broom and it's good for your, yeah. And then yeah. you have to take a class and try to get out. Anyway, I just don't see how we're helping any of them. Uh, it's really unfortunate. No, not it, helping it's, them. yeah, it's a mess. Definitely. California is. is one of the worst places, um, in dealing with the homeless situation. So yeah, I don't know if you've seen that, um, that funny comedian, JP Sears, he's, He's like, a, oh yeah, I saw that. Guy. Yeah, I saw that recently. That was pretty funny. He's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's all sarcastic, but I don't even know personally. You know, if he if he has a political persuasion, but definitely the character he portrays in his his comedy, yeah, is hilarious. Look, he's, yeah, maybe we could get him on the podcast. That'd be fun. that'd be awesome. Could ask him some questions. I'm sure, he's not busy. He'd be in character during the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, he yeah, he's blowing up with <laughs> with how much attention he gets. Um, so I don't know how much it, it would pay for him to be serious on a podcast. <laughs> right. right. No, we can tell him, come as your character. You just do your yeah, comedy sketch yeah. with us. We'll interview your your character. But anyways, he is funny and he nailed it. Honestly, he nails so much of the problems in the state. Um, well, I did want to talk to you. You you went to a conference or it was like an online conference, but got a chance to uh chat with maybe uh talk with interact with john mcquarter and yeah. he was giving a Met speech him and, on yeah. cancel culture so tell us about 
your experience. Wow. Yeah. Well, he was really giving the speech against the anti-racist crowd or like in Kennedy, he was really giving oh, the wow. speech. Against, okay. Yeah. So he, he basically was speaking against the, the new anti-racist movement. Um, he said some pretty controversial things. I mean, it was pretty, it was, uh, wow. you know, he's at the point right now. He just doesn't care. Um, okay. and I feel like I'm kind of at that point. I'm getting to that point, Brad. What is, what's he making? <laughs> so I think he made a really good point on that. This is a, this is a religion, you know, this is a, and the people are, um, a hundred percent convinced that what they're saying is, is true. Um, they're not bad people, but they really do believe that what they're doing is good for society. Mm. Um, but they don't have, it's, it's an ideological religion. Uh, yeah. it's not a, it's not an idea that is founded by science. It's not an idea that's founded by philosophy. They truly, truly, truly believe that, um, the way to defeat racism is through intersectionality and critical race theory. And, um, if you disagree with them, you know, as we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, you're, you're, you are part of the problem that it, they have a Messiah, you know, they have a way huh. to, um, you know, and I, I wrote, I talked about this on, on, on a YouTube, a recent YouTube video that I did that I believe the Messiah is George Floyd. So he's the oh. perfect person that, you know, wow. that kind of identified to their own religion. But, um, you know, he, he just basically uh, just the first thing that I, I've been realizing about this as well, that racism has to have been defined, redefined. So they had to redefine racism from Which, ju judging somebody according to their skin color to any type of societal imbalance. So that mm. is the new racist term. So I think that's it's you know, that just racism is defined by by disparities, racial disparities. disparities. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really helpful. Um, that doesn't happen. To, well, to it, yeah. wouldn't they still add power to that as well? Because you could have mm -hmm. a racial disparity, but if it's a white disparity, a black you know structure or system can't be can't be oppressive because they're not in power. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, but I mean, mainly white disparities, you know, but any kind of disparity that is from um, people who are in power. That's it. Okay. You know, that is the new term of racism yeah. that we're dealing with. For today. sure. Yeah. So I think it was really good because it was helpful to see, okay, now we're dealing with this, this idea. Yeah. Now can we define the terms a little bit better? And, um, but he, he just said, you know, uh, learn because they're basically you're a racist person if you if you justify these types of inequalities and that that is akin to the racial issue or the racial problems so you're mm. supporting like in, anybody who say for example doesn't um you know believe a, a a person who is a person of color or like recently there was a guy that wrote an article saying i like sports and for the ohio state football team and you know we should come together and celebrate victory and he was forced to apologize because um <laughs> because he was not being sensitive to the recent topics that are happening in our society right now oh, so wow. any type of institutions any institutions that have the majority of the you know where the majority of the institutions happen to be white people and the minute you kind of um you know make an apology for those institutions you're supporting basically racism and th yeah. that's that's where you know it could be mortgages, it could be your our government, it could be. Well, I mean, yeah. this is maybe an aside, but like you're talking about sports, NBA yeah. is obviously an area. A lot of professional sports, in fact, the athletes um, mm. are majority uh, 
minority African American in general for for basketball and pro- probably football, but the um, that doesn't matter, right? It's because it's the owners of those right. teams that would yeah. be the target, right? Because they're and the ones the, power, right? So until I guess, but that's what's so unclear about what they're really looking for. Because even mm. if the all of the owners like became black, be you know, because this movement has to keep feeding itself over and over, they have to keep redefining the terms. And so Kendi is a good example of that. Like he, like you take Baltimore, where eighty percent of the police force or sixty percent of the police force is black. You have a black mayor, you have a black district attorney, and then Freddie Gray happens, and that's because of systemic racism. Well, how was that? Well, it's because it, the power structure was created by white people a long time ago, and therefore you're still supporting an old racist system. So basically, it seems like the whole thing has to come down, or you're racist if you support it. Yeah. Well. That's gonna um, just be a perpetual cycle. Then, so what did he? What did uh, McWhorter say about Kindy? Did he say? Did he call anyone out specifically? Yeah, like he, called, he called out Kindy um, pretty specifically. Called out D'Angelo. Um, you yeah. know, because the the you know he says something really really provocative, and this is I'm going to quote him here. Is that he said the majority of my black brothers and sisters vastly, vastly, this is, these are his words, vastly exaggerate the racism in their own lives because they're taught to do that because they believe that basically with allegiance to their, it's, you know, in order to, to, they have to propagate this belief to basically have an allegiance to their own race. That's what he said. Yeah. And he just, he called out a lot of the black community saying, you know, a, a significant portion of them exaggerate the racism that actually goes around them. Cause it's, I mean, one of the things he says to a lot so, of his black friends is like, yeah. you know, have you, have you experienced, you know, a racist cop yourself and 90, you know, most of them would say almost all of them in his, in his town of New York where he lives in Manhattan, all of them say, well, no, but I know of somebody. Wow. But, um, you know, so that's the, cause that was what I was going to say is when they ask for examples mm-hmm. are, um, it's almost always something very, um, vague, vague. Yeah. exactly. That's a perfect word for it. You just, um, you're like, what are you, what exactly are you talking about? Um, I, oh, yeah. it's, it, it was the, you know, the privilege that they had or the, yeah. you know, it's, it's this undefined term that, that just would have never been, it, it, there's, it never actually results in action against you. Right. Um, well, <laughs> and then, you know, so you have that message that can't necessarily be proven against because they've kicked out the scientific method, the, the, the law of objectivity, you know, Kendi would say all those come from racist terms because they come from systems of power. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the elect, the elect are the ones that allow for suspension of disbelief to prove that you're not racist. That's who the elect are. So you're a woke white male when you can prove that you're going to suspend your own disbelief and just quote, be silent, you know, and right. be silent or, but the problem with that is like silence is also violence, but you have to be, you have to be silent you have in to front approve. of people who have yeah lived experience. And so, you know, he made up a really good point too, that lived experience really, sometimes that makes you significantly less objective. You know, mm. N.T. Wright makes this point too. I found this to be true. Like just because you're, you know, we, we, he said like when he comes over to the States, he sees a lot more Americans, American problems and Americans do themselves. Um, I've noticed like with, you know, um, 
when people who experience significant amount of trauma aren't always the most objective people. And so lived experience, you have to prove the elect has to suspend their own disbelief to prove that they're not racist. And then once they can prove that, that's when they can go out and apologize, make an apology for the other side and convert people over. But wow. this is the news, these, you know, the most, and then he even said this, like this book that he's writing is not for black people, it's for woke white people. Because woke white people strongly believe that this is the new civil rights. Oh, and that yeah. blacks, um, you know, basically can't be expected to do things. And this is why I'm being, you know, probably, is, you know, there might be somebody listening and says, gosh, Peter sounds so racist. Yeah. And I'm fighting this so hard because I truly believe this is the new racism. Because what he had said, and this is, he made a valid point. That basically what this comes down to is that there's an expectation that black people basically can't do things without us helping them along the right. way. And it's insulting. And he even said, like, this is insulting to me as a black man to yeah. think that I can't, that I need to be treated like a child, that I need to be infantilized and talked down to and treated with pity. It insults me when I go out in public and I have white people ask me if I'm okay. And, you know, I really hurt him on that um, because I think we need the only way that we can really not be intimidated by this movement is that we if we turn the tables, uh, you know, around a little bit, you know, is it is racism looking at black people as if they can't do these things without our help or without us? Like, who cares if we don't necessarily believe this or not? Like, right. why does that depend on 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 their success? I think that's my pushback against it. It's like, even if I do believe it, how does that help versus right. if I don't believe it? And why does that matter? Are they not capable of of doing things on their own, or or is it like, are you trying to make me aware of my of this systemic yeah. problem so that? You know, so that, so that you vote differently. Point. Yeah, go well, ahead. I'm I mean, sorry. I think yeah. it comes down to wanting you to vote differently, and then I think they they want to mm. promote the liberal you know uh, agenda, and that that's yeah. where I always push back on economics of it. And you know what? I'll do that. Mm. People people tend to say well, it's not an economic issue for me; it's a racism issue. And you're like, okay, but the what what's the end game here? What's your push? What's your goal? Well, it's to see these disparities reversed or at least removed, right? So that there's no more disparity, racial disparity. Well, that for one is impossible. Um, but even even if that's the, the goal, how are you wanting to achieve it? And the only way that I hear people wanting to achieve it is by burning down the institutions, revi you know, re re um, reworking them from the ground up and trying to use the government in order to enforce that kind of revive uh, that kind of revision and it all involves man i was reading um ben shapiro's book uh um, i could just interrupt but like oh which yeah government yeah which government oh, are you right. talking about are you talking right. about like you know and how do you know that that government is not going to run into the same problems i mean they keep the philosophy oh, yeah. itself eating itself i mean yeah that's you're the right. problem you know is it the american government you're talking about and if it's not the american government who is it is it this new Okay, so it's an all-black government. Okay, so which which government are they going to be basing this is off of? Is it Mark? Because well, he was white. Yeah. And you're right. <laughs> Even going down to the local institutions, right? You do have, for instance, churches wanting to rethink how they can become more diverse. Just like we were ha we were talking to the police chief, you know, and they were saying how are do you, how do you address the diversity problem when no no one of color wants to even become a police officer right now because they 
it's like joining the enemy. So you have to you have to think through everything and, and gather with the community. Well, they're starting to do that within the churches. You know, let's let's start meeting with community leaders and let's consider ways that we can become more diverse as a church. But what that ultimately results in is is some kind of compromise breakdown of of values and currently held commitments a lot of times because they view the entire structure as the problem. Right. So I just, I don't see as a, as a pastor, I don't see really the value of the church going, going down this road. I think we need to think really strongly about the data that's actually available to us and determine whether there really is racism. And you, that means you've got to learn to point to actual um, examples, you know, that aren't vague and that aren't just um, in theory, but you can actually say, no, this person is a racist and they need to be under discipline or this person, you know, promotes racist uh, ideas and they need to be challenged. Well, if that's happening, then, then we can do that. But to just simply say, well, your church is predominantly white, which in fact, ours, ours is a pretty good mixture of our community. Um, but either way, that aside, let's just say we were a predominantly white congregation. Um, the the assumption would be that that we need to bring in a, a more diversity leader, a more diverse leadership, so that we can attract people of color to the congregation, so that then we can reach them with, um, you know, the message of the gospel, right. I guess. But it to to me that it's it's like we want to reach whoever will come and listen and um you know that that needs to that needs to be our 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 focus regardless of what the culture is is trying to to say our problems are um if if someone says that we have an issue we have a particular um blind spot or a sin well call call that out and and tell me what it is so that we can then repent of it but to tell me that you just need to repent of the the racial disparity in your church, to me, it's like, well, why are we not as diverse as you think we should be? And why do you think it's a yeah. sin? Why do you automatically think it's a sin that we're not as diverse? Uh, well, because good, yeah, because yeah. heaven is going to be more diverse. Well, of course it will be, but that doesn't mean you're going to go into a African church and say, why are you guys predominantly black? Um, right. America is different, but that, but we do have a, a, you know, we have regions within our, within our nation that are predominantly various cultures. And so your church is going to probably fall along those lines. And then there's so many other factors like your expectations of what you do at church and how church should look and the kind of songs you sing. And so if you want to become more diverse, you all of a sudden have to adopt practices that you don't even you're not even familiar with um so it's to me it, yeah it, it leads to a whole host of questions and concerns that i think um right. actually question the, the theology underneath it well i don't know if it's theology okay. and this is where i'm going to start i'm going to so because you know he had said because i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that a little bit because i mean i just taught a class on uh, myth and reductionism and how myth and science are two very different things. I'll, I'll, I'll put that on hold for a second because, you know, his main, and I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit on how I maybe disagree with McWhorter a little bit. So, but then the last thing he really said, I mean, what you said was really solid because I think what we do need to understand is that Imbram Kendi 
you know, he is the main father of the, you know, I want I mean, he's not the main father of this movement, but he's, he is a father type figure that, you know, he's not, he's not he's definitely one of the leaders right now. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not, we have to think of these people, not as intellectuals, but as priests. Hmm. And, you know, they're, and I love that he said that because that was so interesting to me because, you know, and that is why Kendi is kicking. I mean, he's intending, he's in, he won't argue with anybody on the other side. He doesn't. And so that's not even a priest, but as a cult leader, you know, he will refuse. And, and, and Jamar Tisby is the same way. I'll call out Jamar right now. I mean, Jamar will refuse to talk to somebody who is going to challenge him. Uh, Kendi does. D'Angelo does not. Um, why is that? You know, and I think the main reason is because as a priest, you have already made your opinion about the secular and the holy. And you, you know, and that I would even say you have your parishioners and the parishioners are mainly white people, not necessarily black people, because black people don't have to confess anything. It's just the whites that actually have to. They're the ones that are already covered, you know, so and which is very different from LMLK, which is why he challenged a variety of, of groups. He challenged right. blacks, actually. People often forget that, that MLK actually, MLK challenged a lot of people in the black community, just as much sometimes as he did in the white community. Mm -hmm. And and so the parishioners are the whites. And then the main reason is so that as many people can buy into it as possible. And so this is, this is I, so one of the things I, I disagree with Kendi on is that he keeps calling it a religion. And I guess I disagree with- Kendi or what, McWhorter? I'm sorry, McWhorter. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I agree that it's a religion, but I, I, I don't think he's as careful as he needs to be because he is an atheist and he made that really known that right. he just kind of, he kind of equates religions and cults all in the same boat. I even heard his recent interview with Sam Harris and Sam Harris said, well, that sounds more like a cult. And McCorder said, well, it's the same thing. And that's <sighs> where I would just, I yeah. would disagree with um, McCorder on that because religions are they're describing a people, a, a person's ought, you know, uh, you know, what they ought to do, what the is, is like what, you know, what I, what is explaining the world or what, mm. what is, what is, what's my environment. And then how that belief basically corresponds with my social network per se. I mean, religions are kind of, that's the general definition of a religion, a very generalized. It's a kind of textbook answer, but mm -hmm. it's one's belief. It's one's, you know, ethical, um, I guess, obligation to the world around them. And then the theology that basically is the undergirdings of that. And I would say that no, you don't, yeah, you don't necessarily, I don't know if he, him just making that comment, it's almost like a condemnation of religions in general. Sure. You know, and so it's like, well, it's a religion, therefore we should discount it. And I think right. he has to be kind of careful there because just because it's a religion doesn't mean that we should discount it. But I, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to throw that out a little bit yeah. because it was, um, but I, I really liked what he had to say pretty, you know, a whole lot actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is, it, I could see a lot of similarities and of, of what he's, um, drawing out between, uh, you know, wokeism and, and as a, as a religion and, and the theories that, that they're, espousing espousing and the way that you have to go about adopting them is uh, is along the lines of the same thing like by faith right you you just trust yeah. that these things exist because there is no evidence right and that's what he what he would claim there's like the evidence is lacking there just like you you would say it lacks in a religion 
right? There's no scientific backing. Yeah. And obviously now, you see, this, would disagree with, with that kind of assessment, but I could see where he's coming from. Yeah. Now this is where I struggle. And this is maybe what we could kind of talk about too, yeah. because this is this a religion and it has aspects of it, but this is where I'm, I'm really kind of rethinking some of this. And, and because it really had to do with the class that I taught today. Okay. Um, Myth and science are, and I'm going to use myth as, I'm going to be kind of generalized here. So myth is the explanation of what is the, between the known and the unknown. Mm -hmm. And it's the, it's the, it uses symbol like archetypes and symbols to kind of explain that there's a tension between what is known and the, the physical and the, and the, and the, and the immaterial world. And what, what myth does really well, and even certain religions do really well, is that it offers these symbols as kind of gateways to kind of move the hero. I'm using Joseph Campbell kind of language okay. on his journey. And so one of the, the, the way you could just make a distinction between myth and science, though, is that myth allows for this kind of tension between the order and the chaos, even in Hebrew scriptures, it talks about like the the tension between what is orderly and what is chaotic. And God moves to the water and he creates order out of chaos. Hmm. And so a lot of myth will often talk about this kind of, that chaos isn't, I'm not necessarily talking about the devil here, but the chaos is the unknown world of mystery. And the order is the known world of what we see in our experimental, you know, um, I guess through through our senses and our sense experience, and yeah. myth is kind of like it transcends and brings those two together. And this is where I kind of push back on McWhorter a little bit because the thing about the woke crowd is that the difference between that and pure science is that science is only explaining what is. And Freud would often he rejected a lot of religion, but what Freud did is that he wanted to put all beliefs in the purely logical realm. And so I see a lot of this when it comes to theory and critical race theory and woke crowd. I'm getting somewhere. Let me just finish this real quick. No, is that what they're doing is that they're 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 overly predictable on power structures. Um, it's because you're a cis white male. They're yeah. so quick in their responses that I don't think they truly value the beauty of the mystery that myth can offer us, or even the beauty of the mystery of what religion can offer us, because religion does offer a significant amount of gray in the midst of chaos here. In the woke movement, there is no gray. There is pure, you're, you're woke, yeah. I mean, excuse me, you're white, you're in power, you have to repent, these things have to come down. It's very binary, which mm -hmm. tells me that it's almost like, they feed off the, I guess the, I, I guess this maybe explains the cognitive dissonance that kind of goes off because they feed off their logical part of their brain thinking that they're doing something, I guess, I guess orderly mm -hmm. and yet feed off of also the religious part of their, you know, the brain as well as if they're being, as if they're appeasing their own problems mm -hmm. and their own sins. I don't know. I just kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm still, mm -hmm. some of these thoughts are still a little bit undeveloped a little bit, but I just wanted to, kind of play around with that a little bit because it's, you know, yeah, is it religion I mean, or, yeah. Yeah, anyway. I think it's a val it's valid pushback for sure. Um, and and you don't hear, um, you know, you don't hear Christians calling it a religion. There, I, I think there's a way to be, you know, sometimes when I'm pushing back on this stuff, I, I'm talking to, I'm talking about guys like Ibram Kendi 
uh, Robin D'Angelo, but not everyone adopts that philosophy, right? When they're saying there is systemic racism, they're saying, look, we can learn some things from Kindy, we can learn some things from D'Angelo, and we can also ignore a lot of the stuff that's nonsense. But I wonder if that's really what's happening here. I, what I see is people recommending these books and saying, uh, it revolutionized the way I think about myself and everyone around me. So it, it, to me, it doesn't seem to be taken with that guarded um, attitude. There's not safeguards in place. It's, I just see pastors saying, hey, we're going to start a group, uh, a, a study group, and we're going to read through, um, you know, The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. And all of a sudden, uh, they're learning that the entire history of America and the church has been complicit in racism from the beginning. And the only way to solve it is by uh, providing reparations, right? And like all this, you're, you're saying this is just all being adopted wholesale. And right. it's, there's not a pushback at all that I'm seeing. It's mm -mm. just, if you give any pushback, you're immediately lumped in with the, um, I don't know, with the conspiracy theorists. Hey, oh, you don't believe in systemic racism? Well, geez, you you probably don't wear which a mask is, either. Yeah, which is exactly that's why is this a is this a bad science? Because yeah. see, the thing about right. orderly orderly constructs or orderly schemas, like the, when you think about like talking to a friend who's never experienced suffering, and like your your mom dies. I remember when my mom died in 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 um in undergrad, and I talked to a guy, and he was just a jerk. Okay, because what he said to me was like, oh, don't be sad. My grandmother died. I know how it feels. Oh, wow. Um, I'm like, dude, you really, you're so yeah. in a different galaxy. I remember talking to people and I, the people that were like overly orderly. I remember getting so frustrated in seminary because I remember yeah. having a lot of, a lot of people, like whenever I saw people who were depressed and people that had mental health, there were guys in seminary tended to be so structured. Mm -hmm. And they had quick responses for almost every issue that involved that involved a sense of chaos and a sense right. of mystery and a sense of of the numinous. Yeah. And they just had a quick response. Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just this. Go work harder. Go work harder. Go go, go serve church. And that that's that that sense of order over here is 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 a sense of control. And, and so is it a bad science? What I mean by that is like science only looks at the material and it quickly gives the hypothesis and the cure. And so this is where I'm like, yeah, I go and I get a Bible study by Jamar Tisby and I'm immediately told like, hey, I need to go do reparations. And if I push back, I think you're spot on. They see me how do they see me? They see me as the person that denies vaccinations. They don't, you know, right, it's, right. it's like you're pushing back against something that we should know to be hundred percent true. It's yeah. almost like the, it's almost like that old newthetic, like the council, like the people that would say, well, wait a second, what do you mean you still have depression? That must mean you don't believe in Jesus. Well, no, but I still, have, I still have depression. I don't yeah. know. I don't think, you know, and so Anyway, yeah, yeah that's no, just, I think that's like, true, and I mean, and, and that's not to say that everyone actually thinks that. It's just that they're not—they're so afraid of giving any pushback if they actually think it, they're just not saying it. Therefore, again, it's the opposite problem, right? Where where they say our silence is complicity, I would say their silence is just. It, what am I to assume? You you've recommended that book and you've said nothing negative about it. Well, 
the only the only assumption is that you agree with everything. So you gotta you gotta find a way to 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 have the conversation with people and even ask the hard questions. Do we do we have blind spots in our congregation? Do we have blind spots in our practices that that lead to particular disparities or something? Um, you know, what are we doing about injustices in our culture, in our community? Do we see injustices? Are we just like, that's, that's the question I would have in any particular community or in a business that says we need to revisit all of this. Before you do that, let's actually define what the problem is that you're addressing. Well, it's just systemic racism. Okay, where are we practicing racism in our context within this, con like, who is the racist or what is the policy that's promoting racism? If you can't point to that, then why are you reading R Robin D'Angelo? Why are you inviting these people to come in and chastise mm. us? All you're doing is creating a problem. <laughs> you know, it's like they're, yeah. they're manufacturing a, a solution or, or, or a solution to a, a vague problem. And it just creates more tension, more problems, for those present, I actually think it it exacerbates right the tension. Well, and what's so hard is that as I'm listening to you, and I'm immediately putting myself in the other side, and I immediately would say to you right now, "Well, it's Brad. Brad is because you're uncomfortable with your privilege, exactly. and that's what's making you right. so upset. And that's why it's just got my gosh, this is so yeah. boring. This is just so boring. <laughs> at this point, I could literally predict almost every single objection. It's so easy, right? And I remember, I remember when I was a fundamentalist for a few years, and that's exactly that's that's kind of what I did as well. It's like you know, I believed in the King James KJV was the only version of the Bible, and somebody didn't believe in, you know, if they were having some doubts, I would refer back to that, you know, and just yeah. I had answers, answers for everything, and so that's why maybe it's not science, maybe it's a not, maybe I mean, who is it? Voodoo Bachman, he calls it a new Gnosticism, which Vodi Bachman, Vodi, yeah, Vodi Bachman. <laughs> um, he calls Voodoo it a new Gnosticism. And I asked McWhorter, actually, that was my question. Would you would you call it a Gnosticism? And he was funny. He was like, what's he corrected me and said, Peter is from Boston. And what he's meaning is Gnosticism, not Gnosticism. <laughs> and I, I just laughed. I was like, thank you, sir. Thank you. Gnosticism. Correct. Yeah. Hilarious. He disagreed. He didn't think it was a Gnosticism. Um, oh, he, wow. uh you know, but that's kind of interesting because is this, is it some type of you know secret knowledge only of the elect? I do think it's a cult. I do believe it. I do believe yeah. it's a cult, um, and it's a cult that's infiltrated a lot, a lot of believers, hmm. and it's what sad. The, what was the general yeah. kind of um, hmm. you know consensus? I guess from the people that were involved. You said there was a. It was a larger. Yeah, it was about Deal 10 or where you listened people. to him speak, but then there was a smaller group that you got. Yeah, into, yeah. And then we just like 10 of us afterward. What was the tenor I of think, that you know, group? It was, funny. was, it was like, it was really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah, all of them were. There's one guy who was kind of like an old school liberal. He was really mad that he was even talking about it because he wanted to kick out Trump. That was kind of funny. He was, he was, uh, he okay. was in his 70s. He got, but they had a good little debate. But most of them were younger people like us, you know, in their 30s and 40s. One, one, one guy, he and his wife, they, they're graduates of Brandeis and um, they're both socialists. They're both big Bernie fans, oh, but wow. they were really kind of, they feel very, but she said she was woke, but she has been recently, she said something like she was recently shamed for something. She didn't go into, she didn't elaborate. Um, and basically the woke crowd woke, like basically attacked her, like addressed yeah. her, which and happened. it kind of woke it. No culture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, that no pun intended woke her up to what she was believing. Yeah. 
And then Ayan Hashir Ali, or I believe I'm saying that name right, but um, she's the African, the the black uh, former ambassador yeah. of Holland. I would who was canceled by, yeah, she was canceled by Brandeis, and um, because she's not pro Muslim, uh, she was a former Muslim that was also she had uh, female circumcision. She was females. Oh, she was forced wow. to be have female circumcision, and so she's really spoken. She's an atheist, but she's spoken quite a bit against the Islamic the extreme Islamic community and Brandeis canceled her. So these, these two people, there's a couple, they're strong socialists, but they're not woke. They, they're like, there's something wrong with this movement. There's, wow. there's something off. And then we had some other people. One guy, he was a, a lawyer, went to law school. He's going to law school in Berkeley, your neck of the woods. And um, he's mm -hmm. a conservative, but not a Trump supporter. I was kind of, he made that, made that very clear, but he's, he's, he's a yeah. kind of like Thomas, Thomas soul kind of guy. And okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was a neat plethora of people. Yeah, that would be that would he would be out, a fish out of water for sure at Berkeley. Oh yeah, yeah. Even like though he, even though his um, Biden signs would probably be supported. Yeah, yeah. but man, so well, that is I I'm glad you got to be a part of that and yeah, engage even ask him some questions. That's that's very cool. I've read really learned about John McCorder probably through you just. Um, in the last few months and I've enjoyed his conversations with Coleman Hughes. He was interviewed oh, yeah. by him and, and then he's had, I think, Oh no, that was, uh, there was a large discussion that Jason Riley hosted with a bunch mm. of guys on, on kind of the topic of, um, you know, mm. law enforcement, which I thought was really helpful too. But oh, anyways, wow. there's so many different ways we directions you can go with this with that group and find commonality. Even though the bigger issues, a lot of them are, a lot of these people are atheists, and their their views of of what our nation needs for the future are radically different. But but yeah. the fact that there are more people coming out against critical theory, critical race theory. Mm gender theory, all these offshoots of critical theory. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing, right? We should support that. Yeah. Question. Well, I think any, any system that is just so overly predictable like that. Yeah. It's, it's just going to run into problems. That's all. Sure. I mean, that's, it, it, it's going to eventually eat its own, but um, yeah. What's well, your, what's it, your, is, uh, it is happening. Yeah. Well, as well we, uh, you, you want to talk about the debate? Yeah, the last, I'd love to last, transition this last part. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, let's close out with a little bit of heat. Um, oh. What was your? What was kind of your initial reactions to the? Well, I, yeah. So I wrote. I wrote this on Facebook. So there was. There was a time I used to volunteer at a um, at a at an, at an old folks home, and uh, <laughs> one time I walked in and there was this guy. He was talking to himself, arguing with the the wall, and then. There was a guy to his right, right next to him, screaming at him the whole time, yelling at this guy. And the guy that was looking at the wall the whole time just kept arguing and arguing <laughs> at, the, at, at the wall while the guy that was um, yeah. screaming at him, uh, just he just got louder and louder. But the guy that was looking at the wall never looked at him. So yeah. I kept laughing when I was watching the debate because I finally told my wife that story. And yeah, and I was like, that's what I felt like I was watching. That is um, I, I felt really discouraged, honestly, for yeah. Trump. Um, yeah. He missed, he looked like a moron. He did. Yeah. He looked like a 12 year old little boy. And I'm really, really kind of ashamed of, honestly, I'm not going to apologize for saying this. I'm ashamed of our president right now. I, I am. Mm -hmm. um, I, 
I know Biden said some things that were so awful that I really, I don't know who, if Trump needs to fire the person that gave him the advice that, you know, if, if he listened to somebody to, to debate that way, but I, it was a terror. It was just so terrible of a debate. It was, I didn't learn anything. It was so, so contentious. I didn't learn it. I, I, I felt really concerned about our country, but I mean, I, I like Trump's policies. I mean, I'm not going to vote for him. I think it's going to come down to, you know, if, if Trump's personality is, is front and center, he's going to lose. If, if Biden's policies are front and center, Trump's going to win. And I'm, I'm still a guy that I, the thing I really care about is are the policies because at the end of the day, I think Trump's going to protect our freedoms. Um, we homeschool, um, Mm. And I'm terrified at what Biden's going to do if he were elected. I mean, he is going to pack the courts. He'd refuse to answer that question. That's why I really wish Trump would have just let him condemn himself by his own words. Right. Yeah. And there were so many times Trump just jumped right in and jumped right in. He he drew way too much undue attention to himself that we didn't really get to hear how terrible Biden's ideas were. Uh, and um, there were things that Trump said that if I, because I own a business, I have a company, I have employees, I have 1099s, you know, I, I have people that work for me. I will admit that when I was listening to him, I was trying to listen to him as like a center left person. And I, I did feel that I'm going to vote for Trump because he would protect my business. Hmm. He would not force the economy to go back under or go down or, or shut down. And he would, um, he would ensure that I could still provide some type of income for my family through uh, my company. And I, I talked to my wife about that and like getting that sense, like as a blue um, helping other people assured me that maybe he didn't do as bad on everything, but I just wish he would have acted more presidential, honestly. Well, yeah. it was, What's it, your take? It was, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely harder for people to find, uh, even snippets of the debate where there was a great win for Trump because it was just all this speaking over Biden or the moderator, which, you know, there's been pushback that Chris Wallace wasn't the most um, unbiased moderator that he himself. And in fact, Trump acknowledged it at one point, I guess I'm debating you and not him. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, there's some, some, maybe some truth to that. Uh, there were a couple of points where I, where I definitely think that, um, the moderator inserted himself more than he should have, but for the most part, he was dealing with a child. As you said, he was dealing with someone who was, who wouldn't calm down, who wouldn't, who wouldn't listen to the rules or play by the rules that, that they agreed to ahead of time. And that's frustrating. I like watching debate. I I like watching a well done debate and a performance that, you know, is actually treated with some, like kind of the guidelines are are respected, but this was not that. And, you know, frankly, presidential debates have never really been what you want them to be. (laughs) You don't watch them to learn about debate. (laughs) You watch them to see if you can get a um, tweet out of it. If you can get a little, I mean, yeah, but this is the first debate where I didn't feel like I learned anything about the policies, like truly about the policies. I still remember Bush and Gore, like I, I, and Clinton and excuse me. Yeah. Clint. Yeah. Bush and Gore. And then Clinton and Dole. I remember Clinton. And that's my earliest memory is Clinton and Dole. Um, or no, it was Clinton and Bush way back in 92. Those were my earliest memories. Wow. Um, or maybe it was 
Gosh, sorry, I keep changing my I never watched, Maybe it was, I never watched. Yeah, I think that was my first real. I was like a freshman in high school. Okay. Um, but I, I think maybe Clinton and Dole is really where I started paying attention to stuff. But I remember listening to those guys, and I kept. Um, I felt like I was after the debates. I felt like I understood where each person came. Mm-hmm. along very difficult lines and stuff. And well, I didn't feel like that at all. Anyway, you're right. And there were, and yeah. I do recall, remember back, it wasn't that long ago, maybe even 2012. I don't know if they even did this in 2016, but when they would actually have the independent voters come and listen, and they'd have this little section of an audience listening into the debate, and then they would ask them afterwards, so how many of you guys made up your mind after tonight's debate? And there was sometimes a little bit of a movement, right? People would have some movement. They don't even, they don't even try to do that anymore. It's like there was, there's, everyone's come into this debate with their minds made up. They've already, they've already got their shirts and their, their, you know, their, they know who they're supporting before they even watch it. And that's, um, you know, I, I, that's just about the polarization of this nation. But I do think that the debate itself, um, you know, it, it, it needs, there needed to be um, just, uh, there needed to be an off button on the mic, <laughs> on the yeah. microphone so you could actually yeah. to the answer. I do, I do kind of disagree though, that everybody made up their mind. I, I, um, I do think that there's a one, two, maybe 3% of people and this is what I'm kind of worried about. This is this is what switched the election in 2018 because there were a significant amount of women who often would vote conservative, who did vote conservative. You have your like Orange County kind of, uh-huh. you know, kind of, you know, female um, who voted against Trump in 2018. Um, I'm a little worried about that demographic, um, especially after after. I think it's going to grow. More people are. Gonna- I, I, I am a little bit. I am. I think he lost a, a good portion of that. Um, I don't. You know, I could be wrong. I could really be wrong. Um, and that's why I. Th- I wish he would have just let Biden eat his own words. Right. Because Biden, gosh, man, Biden said some things. Yeah. He wouldn't even answer the question about packing the courts like Ian talked about. Um, he lied several times. I mean, Biden. Uh, the whole green new deal wasn't really a green new deal. It's a Biden deal. I mean, the kind of money that he wants to spend on infrastructure and creating new jobs and what that would do to our economy. He did not answer a lot of things about COVID um, where he would get, I mean, he basically wants to, he would, I mean, he said that Pelosi has a plan and how much money would be involved in that? I mean, anyway, yeah, so it's just, I, it's really concerned. Yeah, well, really he definitely dodged questions to the one oh, on yeah. that. I mean, this was obviously one of the highlights was Trump wanting to get him to say his opinion on Antifa, to denounce Antifa, and Biden mm-hmm. wanting to hear Trump denounce white supremacy. The 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 ridiculous thing about all that is is I to my knowledge, Biden hasn't ever actually denounced um Antifa. Antifa. And the moderator, Chris Wall, this is where I thought the moderator missed an opportunity. Instead of addressing the thing that clearly had never been said to Biden, he used it as an opportunity to lead into a question to have Trump clearly address something that he's addressed every year since his since entering office, which was, you know, will you denounce white supremacy? And of course, he once again agrees to doing that. But in the moment, he was so focused on getting 
Biden to answer on Antifa that he's that he stumbled over the words, you know, stand down. Instead of saying stand down, he said stand back and stand by. And of course, now everyone that wanted to uh, throw Trump under the bus is using that as some sort of which I call conspiracy theory. I mean, just mm-hmm. jabbing at the idea because the, the same people who are calling everyone else conspiracy theorists for disagreeing with with them are now conspiracy are conspiracy theorists trying to convince us that Trump had that he was giving them some subliminal message to this far right group um, to attack or to be ready. You know, if we lose this election, you need to rise up and riot. And uh, it's just, it's mm. ridiculous. So he already clarified that night, Tuesday night, and saying, stand down, let the law enforcement do their job. So mm. it's clear he just stumbled through the words, stand down, and said, stand by, or stand back and stand by. But regardless, he didn't even know who the Proud Boys were, which that's part of the problem. If you don't know who they are, why are you using, why are you even talking to them <laughs> as if like yeah. they stand down? Who knows? But once you look into it, it does seem to be that there are examples of the Proud Boys becoming violent and they're pushing back on rioters in general. But to my knowledge, there's no, there's no racial um, agenda there. It, they're just, they, they push back against Antifa. They're like the response to Antifa. And, and any rioters that are coming into a, a city, there might be Proud Boys that gather to defend the city. But um, And I'm not defending Proud Boys and their actions. I don't know enough about them. But the idea that they are white supremacists, which is what Biden was arguing, or, you know, he's because when Trump said, well, what do you want me to call him? And Wallace said, well, white supremacists. And then Biden threw, throws out Proud Boys. So then Trump said Proud Boys stand stand down stand back or or stand stand back stand by and he's now he but he didn't even know who the proud boys were so why they can't did he, did he say that i mean did, yeah because i mean afterwards the, i i would say the proud boys i mean i i read something by the gospel coalition that gave a tons of examples of them being pretty anti-semitic you know saying some terrible things about israel and being all, all light alt-right and stuff and you know, saying some kind of racial things. I mean, I, I don't know enough about them. The more I'm reading about them, I need to really rethink that. Well, I mean, the guys I, that founded I, it are, are people of color. There's like black people that founded it. So it, oh, really? the idea okay. that I, thought it was Galvin, I know Galvin McInnes and stuff. I thought he had. No, Gavin McInnes. What? Oh, was he the main, the first guy that started Proud Boys? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, he's, yeah. he's definitely. Uh, white, but I, yeah. So you, so I, again, I don't know enough about it, but the idea that, right. that they are, that that's their main agenda, that they're this. Uh, it was an avoid- I mean, I mean, yeah. And the thing too, is just like, <laughs> sorry, yawn. <laughs> you could cut that or you can keep it in there. I'm um, keep it. Yeah. Good. Good. I did. I, I've been up since four 30, but uh, Boo. I think the biggest thing, the, the saddest thing about all this, honestly, is that during the time that they were talking, was it? I believe they were talking about the riots and they were talking about the cities being burned down, burned down. And um, I yeah. would say this, I don't think you have any evidence that the cities are being burned down by white supremacists. I mean, you have BL, like extreme groups on BLM right. and yeah. And, and Antifa, that, was, that was what yeah. Trump was trying to make. His yeah. Point. I mean, that's what, yeah. The people yeah. that are a threat right now are not the ones you're telling me to denounce. It's the ones that Biden won't denounce. 
And, and that's been the, the problem. I mean, in, in fact, people that I, that I know, you know, basically say, well, we should expect this to happen because you didn't listen to Kaepernick kneel, you know, you didn't respect Kaepernick's kneel. So this was the only option. They had to get violent and burn down cities. You're like, okay, <laughs> come on, we can at least denounce it. And then say such, that's such a that's such an, an abusive tactic to I mean it's such a, a complicit oh, yeah. I mean I, I it reminds me of a of a church that I was not a part of but I I remember counseling some somebody and you know we asked her to submit to her husband several times and uh, you know we kept warning her to submit you know and eventually he just flipped and you know he did beat her. But we did warn her three or four times. Yeah. I mean, that's this the equivalent of of when people say stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you know, well, you know, they're not hearing because the businesses you're destroying, one or significant portion of them are are, are businesses of color, and the, the so the, your right. insurance, your the insurances insurance rate has just sky skyrocketed, and um, they're not going to be able to afford to live or to live there, and you've totally ruined this person's way of life for the rest of her life. And so there's just no there's no excuse for that, you know, at all. Um, anyway, yeah, I have yeah. no, I have very little sympathy when I hear white woke people tell me that crap because that's just that's garbage. There are so many better ways to make yeah. your point known than looting and rioting in a city. It's just there's no no reason for that. And if you want to take up arms, then join a militia. And say we're at war and be responsible and say we want to overtake you. Okay. At least I would respect that. <laughs> you know, sorry, sorry if that's a little too far, but you know, but no. it's true. Just be honest, you know. Maybe I would that's respect it. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's uh well, we can wrap up, but I just I it's been uh I th I thought it would be good to have some reaction yeah. to the debate, hear a little bit about your your experience with Jama Quarter and and we've got some interviews that'll be coming up that we're excited about. We haven't nailed down precise dates yet, but, um, yeah, but excited. that should be, it should be fun. So yeah. And Samuel, Samuel says girlfriend got back in touch with me and she said that we're going to try to, we'll try to do it on November. So what we're hoping in November is I'll, I'll hopefully if Samuel ever listens to this, um, I hope you come buddy. Uh, but <laughs> my goal is November to ha is to have some, um, some yeah two well we, you're gonna have Chantel um on November fourteenth and I would Chantel? love to get not Chantel Monique oh, I'm Monique sorry. Chantel was actually a girl named Chantel actually emailed me her name is Chantel uh, that's where I got that got it. so Monique is gonna come on November fourteenth and then I'm yeah it'd be great if we can get another person yeah but this is great awesome. it was good seeing you man and good make sure you also make sure you guys in. subscribe to our podcast thanks for listening. Hit leave subscribe. a review. Yeah, leave a wonderful review. Talk about Peter's voice and just <laughs> his the physique you imagine he has because of the CrossFit that he, he's doing. <laughs> Did you hear that, babe? Yeah, yeah. Brad mentioned CrossFit. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. All right. Yeah. Did I tell you I do it every day? I forgot to. Mention I didn't that. know that. Uh. -uh. Right. Yeah. yeah I got to mention. Maybe we time. should talk about that sometime. Oh gosh. Yeah, we should. The whole episode. Make my wife listen to it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, well, it's nice seeing you, man. Yeah, keep my yawn. Keep my yawn. Oh, it's. I'm not going to edit this thing for one second. No, no doubt. So it's really embarrassing when I yawn during a session. I, I get embarrassed about that. I'm sure um, you do. But I you try got, to hold my. Maybe I'm like someone. Yeah, you could talk to someone about that. 
It sounds yeah. like a like you have a have like a disorder. I probably do. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Speaking of that, my little baby, my little baby is sleeping upstairs. I, little baby, she's going to be three in a few in a few uh, few months. She's not quite a little baby. It's my birthday yeah, on Saturday. So yeah. You have to send well, me you present. getting some? Uh, just to clarify, some of you probably heard banging and sawing and everything going on in your house. You're getting a little bit of work done right now. Yeah, yeah. We have it. We're we're installing part of our yeah uh, a floor. Uh, okay. We just tore down a wall between our sunroom. I'm sorry, no, our dining room and our art room. And so it's going to okay. make it a much bigger room. It's going to be a COVID, a, uh, I guess, COVID-resistant room that allows for social distancing for our homeschool group. Okay. <laughs> well, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. I'm sure there was an easier way to say that. <laughs> yeah. <all right. laughs> there, might, there might be. Okay. Uh, well, it's nice, right, nice seeing you, man. Yep. Until yep. we meet again. Talk to you later.